When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome in to the season preview edition of At The Buzzer. I am one of your co-hosts, Jack. Over there is the other co-host, Sam. How you Stay doing? Hello, Sam. And Hello. we have a big one today. Like I said, we are. it's game week. We are in game week. So we will absolutely be previewing everything we can about the Colorado Buffaloes football season. This week, we're going to go through each position group as we know them. We're going to talk about the schedule a little bit because it is a bear. And finally, end with some thoughts on this TCU game coming up Friday night. Um, so without further ado, I say we just go ahead and try to dig in. Sam, I know you've. it's been hard for you to follow some stuff now that the camp is closed down and you live very far away. But uh, <laughs> just start with some what – you, what, what's your overall feeling for CU football this year? Like, what, do you, what do you think? Uh, I, I am looking for optimism. Um, so it, any 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 positive things, any bright spots, I'm going to be drawn moth to the flame. Uh, and I, do, I don't really have high expectations for this team. I'm just hoping that they can build for the future and that our best players decide to stick around for their junior and senior years. <laughs> that has been hard. That last bit has been hard. For a while um okay so do you, i mean at the end of the year let's say cu goes two and ten but some of the uh okay. the young freshmen show out are you thinking good or bad uh i think it depends on what also happens on the roster and maybe with the coaching staff uh, so I, I think there's a lot of context that i like if Brendan Lewis does great and the defense just sucks because they have injuries or something like that. Right. That that would change. Uh, if the offense looks worse than it did last year and everybody's healthy and we just suck. And there's, I guess there would have to be coaching changes at that point, which could be optimistic, but the, there, there's a lot of ways this could go where it could be good, could be bad. Um, okay. That's a good, that's a good overarching feeling to have one of, uh, I guess, even emotion. You won't get too high. won't get too low. That's Um, because I've been hurt by this team. (laughs) (laughs) I've been hurt by too many bad seed teams. I'm trying not to. Um, yeah, I, you know, I guess I'm, I'm not, I'm not, I don't feel like I'm ever going to be hurt by this specific team. Um, so to put some numbers behind this feeling conversation, CU is currently at two and a half over under on wins uh, in Vegas. Um, I'll take the over. A lot of money was going on the under when they were up at three and a half. So um, that was the, the second most bet future in the country. 
uh, oh, a, wow. stand a month ago. So uh, media expectations for this team are not very high nationally. I just listened to a <laughs> bunch of college football preview pods because it's college football season. I'm getting back into the juices. Sella Verbal, Dan and Ty, um, more Pac-12 oriented than most, honestly. Both said there's a real chance this team goes 0-12. Um, cover 3, another CBS, CBS Sports podcast, some great, some great football guys on that one. Said that uh, CU is going to struggle to win every game they're in. You know, they're they're in general the the feeling around the talent in Boulder nationally is really really low. Um, they do not yeah. think that CU is a good football team, which to me means I, that there's, there's no there's no bad outcome if you think about it in the the weirdest way possible. Yeah, I, th- I think so too. But I also think like if you compare this to the roster that did go zero and twelve. I know, like that was the worst team in college football. Like we're not at that level. Uh, maybe they do go. Well, they they do. Okay, history left. We what? did not ever go zero and twelve. Thankfully, John Emory oh, won a oh. game, baby. Jordan Webb wait, won wait, the wait. Wazoo. Okay, okay, sorry. Yes, you're thinking of Tony so Williams' is, Washington team that went zero and twelve. I I am a little bit maybe thinking about that. Okay, uh, let me just pull up the 2011 bus real quick. Oh, Jesus Christ. Okay. Um, Only our season preview pod within five minutes goes to 2011. All right. <laughs> Why not? 1-11, oh, 2012, with one win over Washington State. Was that the one, the scramble into the touch? Yep. And it ends up at yep. the end? Jordan Webb, Jordan baby. Webb, yeah. Okay, Legend. yeah. I was so happy when he scored. <laughs> I was celebrating. I can picture the whole room. I, oh, that was uh, dark, dark days. Um, <laughs> we're not that bad. We're not no. as bad as that team. No. Um, oh, they had Nelson Spruce though. Oh, okay. No. Uh, they had, they had a couple good players. That's, that's all I could say, really. Like that team was really, really bad. Where, where I know it's reductive to say this and I'm offering no insight other than we are not as bad as we could be. I think there's like... So, I'm looking at the depth chart right now. Like that, we have enough defensive experience and enough solid defenders to like stay in games. Like yeah. where we're not going to get blown out all the time. I think that there's enough emerging offensive talent where maybe they can take a few steps forward and uh, develop. But I think, that, yeah, I, I think it'll be some low scoring. Great transition. Let's um. Yeah. Let's jump into the uh, the position groups. We're going to try to go uh, okay. group by group and just talk about who we will who will see the field the most, who we like in that group. If there's a breakout player, we'll mention them. Um, but you know, you just mentioned the offense has some emerging talent, and um, I, mean, I don't know if I necessarily agree. So we can let's go through um, starting starting with the probably the most important position, uh, the quarterback. This is the most okay. exciting position for CU fans. This was an open competition all spring and summer between Brendan Lewis, the incumbent, and JT Shrout, who is a highly regarded transfer from Tennessee, who, to- who tore his knee up last year. Um, clear for full contact in fall. Both of them got first team and second team snaps between them, and Carl Durrell has not announced anything publicly. Um, I think this still holds true, but last year we were pretty staunchly a pro-Brendan Lewis podcast. Are we still a pro Brendan Lewis podcast in 2022? Um, yes, but also I don't know much about how JT Shroud plays. So I, I'm open. Well, no one I'm does. And no, I mean, we have we have a profile, but he, he has played, I don't know, 20 college snaps. Let me look this up. 
Yeah, okay. Um, I think that my general bias is towards undersized dual threat quarterbacks who don't really throw very hard. <laughs> I just like that style of play. All right. And so also, he, go ahead. Shroud has less than 70 college attempts to his name. He has, um, and this was at freshman and sophomore year in Tennessee. So, and these are both garbage time. These are all garbage uh-huh. time. So we don't we don't know what he plays like anyone does, but continue. Okay. So um, <laughs> riveting podcast. Um <laughs> Brendan Lewis wasn't as bad as like You're the offense was suggest last year. Yeah, this is your this is your hot take. Okay, go run with it. Because I got I got the stats. I've got yeah. the stats from at Oregon onward. Yeah, so I don't even want to think about stats. I'm just saying it, last year to me, and this is, I'm, once again, I'm very pro Brendan Lewis. I've liked him since he was a recruit. But last year to me, it was a total failure of leadership from everyone who's paid to be a leader to, for, for Brendan Lewis. And he was the only actual person I would count to and be like, oh, yeah, that guy's actually taking accountability for the offense. He mm-hmm. was There was literally no offensive line help for the entire year for Brendan Lewis. Tough position for a retro freshman quarterback to be in, I would say. His offensive coordinator, I mean, the plays that were drawn up for Brendan Lewis, I would not say were the best plays that possibly could have been drawn up for Brendan Lewis. There was no one behind Brendan Lewis after Shroud got hurt, so he could not run to his potential because the whole time they were saying, don't get hurt. And Carl Durrell is allergic to interceptions, so they were saying, do not take any risks, right? So at the end of the day, you're telling us redshirt freshman quarterback, you don't have an offensive line, we're going to call conservative plays, you can't run, and you can't throw shots downfield. What is he supposed to do? Like, I, it, Yeah, I think there's definitely some things he could – I don't think he's a better passer than JT Shroud on paper, but I don't think he was put in a position that allows him to show anything other than what he showed. Uh, having only three interceptions at the end of last year is insane, given how poorly everything else went. And that is a, a a product of the fact that they told him, do not throw any interceptions. And he's also, I think, pretty good at taking care of the ball. Intangibly, I love Brendan Lewis. I thought he showed great leadership. I did not hear any complaints publicly, really. I, I think the players really liked playing with him and for him. And I thought, in general, he, he set a good track for the future of people trusting him as the, the, the field general, which is important. Mm. I don't know. I think – there's a lot of similarities there between him and, and freshman year Sefa Lufau of just like people like playing for this guy. Um, I don't know. I, I I think there's a lot more to him than what we saw last year. And I think he was failed at every level around him. Um, and a lot of those levels changed. So I, I'm still very pro Brendan Lewis. I, I think he gives to you a better chance to win football games. I like his legs. Yeah. I would also say that like he really did play well down the stretch. Um, despite, again, the offensive line being terrible and the play calling just being abysmal, um, as we've mentioned many times on this pod. Um, I, I mean, I agree with everything you're saying. Um, what, why would, why do you think they would go with JT Shroud if they did? Um, I mean, pretty obviously, there's a reason they're competing for the, the job. Brendan Lewis's biggest downsides are JT Shroud's biggest strengths, right? JT Shroud has an arm to hit those 15-yard out routes consistently, um, whereas I don't know if Brendan Lewis has that in college yet. JT Shroud can throw absolute bombs, right? He's a, he's a laser. 
I don't think yeah. he has the legs that Brendan Lewis has, but there's a reason that Shrock went to Tennessee. He's he's your classic California Golden Boy quarterback. He's 6'5", great frame, zips it in anywhere, you know, effortless, effortless confidence and leadership on the field. He is a good person to have in the program. I think it's good that Colorado went out and got him as a transfer two years ago. Um, mm-hmm. So, yeah, I but, think – the reason you go with Shroud is because he gives you a passing dimension that you do not have with Brendan Lewis. Yeah, I think I think that I'm again, this goes back to my biases of like I am very concerned about those arm talent quarterbacks and whether or not they can translate from like looking good in practice, looking good in games. Um, and I, I only say I'm only repeating that because we really have no evidence of what Shroud looks like in a game because he's not played in a game. Um, yeah. I, I, I understand the, uh, like what, what that type of player offers. And when those players hit, when they put it all together, they can really hit. I just tend to be lower on those types of players. And that's really all I could go on right now. Yeah. No, I think we both have a, um, a propensity to like the college quarterback that gets you four yards on second and seven because everything broke down and he just goes, all right, I'm going to go over here now. You know, that those are fun. Um, <laughs> and I think Brendan Lewis was- has, has more of a, uh, a hard scrabble, like run and shoot ability to him that um, would be, it, it, it's just fun to watch. Um, the other thing we haven't mentioned here, and we can go into staff a little bit later fully, but new off a new quarterbacks coach, new offensive coordinator, right? Mike Sanford is is a new position there. So both players yeah. starting from scratch. Mike Sanford doesn't he has kind of a profile he likes, but there's no, I don't know. Throughout his career, he worked with all different types. So he was with Deshaun Kaiser in Notre Dame, if you remember that name. Um, he was with at Stanford uh, Andrew Luck for a little bit um, as a as a higher up person in the offense. And then last year at Minnesota, he was with the statue of Tanner Morgan, right? So I think he kind of works with everything there. Um, and we can, we can get into a scheme change at the end of this. But in general, for quarterbacks, I um, I think we're both rooting for Brendan Lewis to keep the job. But there's a definite, to me, I still get sucked into, in my head, a uh, a definite, like, what well, what if Shroud? What if Shroud is just that? that quarterback that can lead you can throw you into games, you know, maybe. Yeah. Um, okay. I guess sucked into that beautiful succubus way of thinking. Um, yeah. So uh, let's move on to running backs. We got a huge change this year. Our boy, Jarek Roussard, gyroscopic knees has moved. Um, he has joined Mel Tucker up in Michigan state and we wish him well. He's going to do well up there. Um, I think now we are left with um, a, a weird mix of, of super veteran. is a art organ, I believe. No, Jared Broussard's in Michigan State. Um, what? I thought he went to Oregon. No, oh, shit, you're Christian right. Gonzalez went to Oregon. Oh, my bad. My bad. Yeah, you're getting the I green apologize. and white teams mixed up. Um, so, no, I, I thought he went to Oregon. So we okay. have two we have two seniors um, at the running back room. We have Alex Fontenot and we have Deion Smith, who's technically a redshirt junior, depending on how you want to call that. And then we have nothing until Jaylee Stacks, who is a sophomore, and then two freshmen, Anthony Hankerson, who's been injured in camp, and um, Victor Venn, who is coming out of Buford, Georgia. So, and Charlie offered all the walk-on who's that's on, the, right. on the depth chart. I, I am doing what other teams are hopefully be doing, which is underestimating him. Um Okay, yeah, so no, okay. so let's get into who we think will see the field the most. 
Alex Fondo has been here a long time and he's done some good things for CU. I think he is your definition of an average power five running back at this point, which is a good thing for yeah. this team. Yeah. He will get yeah, you four to five yards a carry. He'll get you close to a thousand yards if you give him the rock a lot. And he'll do some fun things in the receiving game. He's always been a pretty good receiver. Um, he's bulked up a little bit this year, but you know, he's average height at six foot, average weight at around 200 pounds, and he has good balance. So it's just like, all right, this guy is a guy that belongs in the field everywhere. Good for him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, that's my thoughts about Alex Vaughn. No, I've liked him since he came out. I thought he was a fun back. It's just like, yeah, okay, I like he's, his, he's a good guy to be there. I like his patient running style. Um, also, he, he's been dealing with injuries too. So I should do the caveat that we don't necessarily know if he's the same, but hopefully he is. Yes, he had a hip injury, hip injury, um, uh, like eighteen months ago, and and it's been tough for him to get back. So he those are brutal injuries to come yeah, back from, especially for a running back, Bo Jackson, man. <clears throat> yeah. Um, so but with him is Deion Smith, who we haven't seen much of in his time in Bowler. He's been battling injuries, but finally was healthy last year. We got to see him tote the rock. Uh, a few different times and you know he's always had speed um and i think that continues i think he's going to be more of your outside the tackle runner he's bulked up this year as well um but i i, I think he's a pretty good top end athlete um we'll see if he can do some things between um like between the tackles i don't think he has the ability to make people miss in a phone booth like fontano does um but smith definitely has some giddy up. And I think last year we saw some of that. I know the Colorado game, believe it or not, was a good example of what he could do. Um, yeah, I, I think he's going to be a nice person to have in your backfield as well. We just haven't seen much of him either, just because of injuries. And then, uh, do you, who do you think, do you think will get more opportunity? Jaylee Stacks or Victor Vell? I hope it's Victor Venn. I think it'll be Jay Lee Stacks. Okay, um, so I'm kind of hoping it's Jay Lee Stacks. Yeah, well, Jay Lee Stacks, well, he's slimmed down a little bit this year, fun fact. Um, so he, he will be more frequent in the backfield. Um, I think he's still going to be your red zone wrecking ball. I think he's going to do some interesting things in the receiving game if we have the offensive coordinator that will take advantage of that. Um, we saw a decent amount of him in the spring game, right? It was pretty much him and Alfred all in the spring game that we saw the most uh-huh. of. So um, the fact that he is such a different body type than the rest of them probably bodes well for his playing time. But I do hope we see Victor Venn more because I love Victor Venn. Um, do you want to talk about Charlie Alfred all at all or no? I mean, Charlie Alfred, I mean, I, I – can't say I've, I've seen him play it. I just know that there's a lot of buzz. Also, I, I will admit I didn't watch the spring game because I had better things to do. Um, Offred all has been getting a lot of the preseason buzz from training camp, like saying, oh, this guy looks really good. So we will yeah, see I mean, if he, he is, gets a chance. He is your um, kind of throwback version, like college football success story, right? Um, mm-hmm. He's a uh, walk-on freshman quarterback from Colorado. Dakota Ridge High School, uh, or quarterback, walk-on freshman running back, um, and just he has worked his way onto the field. Um, shades of, and this is going to be a fun name, you remember this, Shades of Kyle Evans, I think, of just like, okay, oh, yeah, yeah this yeah. guy's going to play now. And then he's going to be, like, good in the game. You're like, oh, yeah, this guy's good now. Sweet. Um, respect Kyle Evans, 2016 legend. Um, yeah, so I think Alfredal has 
he's just really solid in a lot of areas. I think Darian Hagan loves that he pass blocks willingly and effectively. You know how much Darian Hagan loves when a running back protects the quarterback. Um, so yeah, I, I, we'll, we'll see how much that actually translates into playing time. Um, but you know, there's something there. I don't think it's just like a, a walk on getting the, uh, the praise just because he's a good story. I think there actually is something yeah. there with Alfred Hall. Mm-hmm. Uh, moving on to receiver. Really quick, Victor Venn, why I'm so okay. excited. Yes. Classic Darian Hagan running back. He's shorter than everyone else on the field. Yeah. He is insanely quick within the tackles and like in the second level. Like he'll just juke a running back or a linebacker out of his shoes. Um, 6A Georgia football state champion, and I think, or, or state champ, champ runner up. So he had good coaching. That's like the highest level of high school football there is. And 6A Georgia high school track athlete. This guy has some speed. Um, so he's been, you know, swimming like all freshman running backs do. He's not going to start, but I do think he will play because that guy, he, he just has the horses that he's going to be super fun to watch. So Victor Venn, my breakout, one of my breakout players. Boom. We're moving on. And I'll bring up that, uh, speaking of Darren Hayden running backs, it's tough that Philip Lindsay got cut by the Colts. Uh, hopefully he will find a roster soon. Um, okay. So the depth chart for receiver. Um, they have the outside boundary receiver, Daniel Arias, mm-hmm. who's six foot four fast and apparently is. He's always had the goods, just not the hands. He's always had the goods. Hopefully, he does have the goods. Um, then the Z receiver would be Montana Lamonius Craig, who has made a case for himself last year, too, uh, just being big and smooth. That Brennan Moon's should... favorite target. Yeah, he's probably going to be the best receiver on the team. <clears throat> and then in the slot, so far, they list Maurice Bell, the fifth-year senior, who has never really gotten a, a real chance. Um, but it's more likely we'll see R.J. Sneed, the Baylor transfer, uh, who's been dealing with some injuries. Um, but that would be kind of the top four on the depth chart for receiver, with probably the fifth guy being uh, Chase Penry, who we saw a bit of last year. The I think he's the walk-on, former walk-on. Or is he just white? That's why I'm thinking he's a walk-on. No, he's just white. <laughs> yeah, well, Chase Bender has always been on scholarship. Okay, great. Where is he from? He is from, I believe, Colorado. Cherry Creek. Okay, well, okay. it was going to be a Colorado kid then. Um, oh, yeah, yeah. Okay, he's from Cherry Creek. Um, what else we got on receivers? Uh, so, do, you, do you agree that those, those will probably be the top five? Any other names to watch? Um, yeah, I mean, RJ Snead is down, but I think he's, he's also hurt, been hurt this this um, mm-hmm. fall camp. We will see a lot of RJ Snead when he's not hurt, that he's probably your most proven best receiver. Um, and, it, you know, I, I think my favorite guy always has been Maurice Bell. I've loved him since high school. He's just been battling injuries and depth chart and blah, blah, blah. So I really hope we see Maurice Bell. I think talking about smooth, that guy is incredibly smooth. You will see him mm-hmm. open. Um, so I, I'd love to see him back and, and playing his sixth year. So yeah, that's that's I think that's all good for receiver. You you nailed the the names. New coach, by the way, um, also here, but we'll talk about that at the end. Oh, should we uh include the tight ends here too? No, separate. That's <laughs> oh, like a that's like an eighth a, of our scholarship whole... roster, dude. This needs a whole five-minute discussion for you to talk about Brady Russell. Yeah, and it, it, I'm not kidding. It's like it, 
10 of our 85 scholarships are tight ends at this point. There are team, so team many tight captain ends. Brady Russell. That's right, team captain. Let's talk about the other team captain. Um, <laughs> offensive line. Casey Roddick, uh-huh. team captain at the sure. left guard. Um, okay. We have interesting spots here at the tackles. Frank Phillip and Jake Wiley are back. Um, they were, I'll just say it, not good last year. But, you know, the coaching last year was more than suspect. So we'll hope that changes. But tackle is definitely the worry point for me on this offensive line. I think the interior is actually really solid. You lose Colby Purcell at center, but you have everyone else back at guard. What are you saying? Do you think Mitch Rodriguez will coach again? No, absolutely not. Okay, good. Um, I don't understand the hire to begin with. Thank God that time is over. Exactly. Um, Also... I did not realize Casey Roddick slimmed down to 305. Yes. He was listed time. at like 330 before. He came oh in God, to see a... you at like 360. So, yeah, he's, he's yeah, definitely he's a massive human being. Yeah, he's working <laughs> on his body. Um, also sliding in here is probably the most high-profile transfer coming in to see you this offseason. Mm-hmm. Tommy Brown um, coming in from Alabama. He will play heavily at the guard spots. Also been nicked up a little bit in the fall camp, so you see him a little bit low on the depth chart. Um and center is going to be an interesting scenario right now. Um, they have Van Wells listed as an or as a backup. And the starter, you have the jump chart up, right, Sam? Yeah, yeah. The starter says Austin Johnson or Noah Fenske. And Noah Fenske was an Iowa transfer. That's right. Austin Johnson is a, a Colorado guy that's gotten rave reviews for a few years now. He's just been hurt. So we hope to see that <laughs> he's um, doing well in there. Yeah, like I said, the, the tackles just scare the hell out of me. Um, if the Philip or do. Wiley okay. get hurt, we are looking at Travis Gray, true freshman, at the left tackle backup going by the depth oh, short. Or Great. right tackle is true sophomore Jared Christian Lichtenhand, who is 6'10". Um, yeah, I just I was looking at him earlier. He's 6'10 with a mullet and a goatee. Yeah, so we are – I mean, in, in reality, what you'll see is someone like Tommy Brown scooting out to the tackle, I think. But – terrifying out there and something that needs to be addressed for next year as soon as possible. We need more tackles. Yeah. It, I mean, I, I'm not so sure about Jake Wiley and obviously Austin Johnson comes with question marks, but this looks pretty solid. Interior like, line as will far be as totally often, fine. The interior line yeah. will be great. Okay, yeah. The the depth doesn't seem great. I just see Noah Fenske as a pretty solid depth piece um, if he doesn't start. But like I mean, also, I, I think Frank Phillips should be – he's probably fine. He's better than Josh Kaiser. Um, yeah, I, I'm not too worried about the starters, but, again, like, there's there's no depth at tackle. That's a, that's a bit terrifying. I, I, I would say, besides tight end, this could be – interior offensive line was probably the strength of the offense. Um, do, do you think hmm, – I don't know what I'm asking with this. Okay. Please, please take it away from me because I got nothing to say about the offensive line. Uh, like I said, it, well, last note, this will be the group that has improved the most from the coaching changes. Okay. I'll, I'll stick yeah. my foot in the ground right there. Um, finally, <laughs> we get to the, the best part of this offense, the tight ends. Um, Mike Sanford loves to use the tight ends. We have six-year senior captain, Mr. Colorado everything, Brady Russell. Don't be – I would not be surprised if he just applied to be a robbery handler too just because – the man does everything for CU, has always been a complete warrior, former walk-on success story. He will now be in the upper echelon of Pac-12 tight ends. He's coming back. Always in a fantastic blocker. I think he'll be a little bit of a better receiver this year. 
he was the top pass catcher last year for CU, which is a little bit depressing, but yeah, with like 307 yards. Yeah. Um, that's so depressing. He will, he will be used <laughs> that's a 12 game schedule. I know. I know. <laughs> uh, he will be used a lot this year as well. Now, Brady Russell has been the same guy for like six years, so we don't have to talk too much about him. Just look at any games from any of the last three years, and you'll know who he is. But it's exciting to me if you look at the depth chart and, and, and you know, just thinking through it, behind him are three freshmen, all of which are your class, your more classic tight end bodies, and all of which will see the field this year. Um, so Caleb Fourier, popular last name for Colorado tight ends. Caleb Fourier um, was injured his senior year of high school, injured his freshman year here. Now he's a retro freshman. He's your, I mean, just the Gronk, like 6'5", 240, glides down the field type player. He would play mm-hmm. receiver in high school and just has bulked up. Um, he will play also as well uh, um, often this year. We saw him a little bit in the spring game. He's physical. He is a physical player. So I, I'm really excited to see Caleb Fourier develop, and I would not be surprised if we just de- default to more two tight end sets to keep Russell and him both on the field this year. Oh, okay. That, that would be nice. Yeah, so Fourier is very exciting to me. Austin Smith is a guy who is just like out of nowhere, middle of Texas, like crazy tiny town. Just we're teaching him how to play football, but he's just another gazelle. Um, and then Eric Olson is a guy I loved coming out of high school. He's a Heritage High School grad, um, so lives in Colorado. And he's a great body and a great blocker. So I also expect him to see the field. Really, this Am is, I wrong? Was he the top recruit that we got yes. last Yes. Okay. Borderline four star. Um, okay. He's very exciting. So this that's more exciting for the future as well. But great group in there. I really like what they. And Clay Patterson is a known tight end commodities at, at tight ends coach. Coach Minnesota's tight ends last year. He's he's a good coach. Okay, that's good. Um, okay, so <clears throat> you mentioned the offensive line. Is there any other place on this offense where they're going to take a step forward? I would just say offensive line should be better because of the coaching and the talent and because Tommy Brown is really good. And then just going from Mike Sanford from Shiv should be a pretty big upgrade. Any words yeah. I'm missing? I'll say quarterback takes a step forward. There's no way it will get worse. It, you have the same guy you had last year who was a year older, wiser, and better, and then you have a guy pushing him all year. So if it's not that guy, then you have a better option waiting in the wings okay also we have more than two scholarship quarterbacks available so last year's backup <laughs> drew carter is now fifth on the depth chart um mm-hmm. pretty easy spot for improvement there um yeah so let's talk about the staff for the quick before we switch to defense huge changes on the offensive staff as warranted last year's offense was truly abysmal like we cannot stress enough how bad it was to what we all watched last year's offense painful at times some of um, us decided to stop watching <laughs> so let's choose happiness i did not um <laughs> so we have a, a pretty much wholesale change the only coach that remained is darian hagan who will i'm pretty sure always um coach at the university of colorado running back sure coach darian Hagen's remains um, was uh was hagan on the hawkins staff yes damn so we have new offensive coordinator mike sanford Sam and I are on record as being not that excited about that hire, but once again, nowhere to go but up there. Um, he His scheme is interesting. If you look at what he did at Minnesota, it was really run heavy. They ran the most out of anyone in the country um, last year, and they used a lot of heavy sets. 
that is he's a bit of a chameleon though. I feel like that's more PJ Fleck than Mike Sanford. When he was at I mean, Notre Dame, he ran Brian. They also had offense. they also had Daniel Falele, so it's like yeah, they had the, the worst offensive dude. line in the country. Um, yeah. I know Notre Dame they were tight end heavy, but more pass heavy under Brian Kelly and Mike Sanford. Um, at Western Kentucky, his offense, they were really pass-heavy. When he was at Stanford, they were uh, a really balanced pro offense. When he was at Boise State, which I believe is his only true year of actually calling the plays, they were um, pass-heavy but still out of the pro set. Um, so I would expect something like that. I think there's going to be still some hurry up there, but a lot more pro sets, tight ends um, in line, trying to help the quarterback out in that way. Um, and we'll see. So I, I think that CU will try to control the clock a little bit more, run the ball a little bit more out of your classic formations. Um, and Mike Sanford is, I will say, a pretty good quarterback developer, other than anything else. So regard, you know, throw out his actual offensive coordinator experience. Tanner Morgan did get worse under Mike Sanford, but everywhere else, you know, Deshaun Kaiser got better under Mike Sanford. He helped yeah. develop Andrew Luck into his number one pick, though Andrew Luck came in as a number one pick. At Boise State, he has some great quarterbacks, um, and I'm missing Western Kentucky, but it's also, regardless, I think he's pretty good there. It, it can be worth noting that um, Tanner Morgan looked a lot better when he was throwing to Rashad Bateman and Tyler Johnson, who were all Big Ten players and current NFL players. So there's always there's always context. Yeah, I um, I just going through the other staff. Um, Kyle, like we mentioned before, Kyle Devan, big upgrade from Mitch Rodriguez. He was the offensive line coach at Arizona under Kevin Sumlin's last years there. He is a proven power five commodity. He was, he's been at other Pac-12 spots. He played at Oregon state. He knows the conference. Well played for the Broncos. Um, and he's not Rodriguez. So upgrade, um, (laughs) Phil McGagan at wide receivers coach. This is the one I'm most excited about. I loved Phil McGagan. I was hoping that's who they hired. Darrell has had a connection with him since he coached Phil McGagan in the NFL in the early 2000s. This guy's been kind of everywhere. He played and coached at Maine, I'm pretty sure. Um, and then he's bounced. He, he was the wide receivers coach at East Carolina when a guy named Zay Jones caught 170 balls in one year. Um, so kind of knows what he's doing there. Went to the NFL. He was the wide receivers coach for the Chargers um, until 2020. He bowed out because of his heart condition and he was worried about COVID. Um, totally understandable. Has been out of coaching since then. Had the itch to come back in. Called his old buddy Darrell. He is a proven wide receivers coach. He will make wide receivers better, period. Um, mm-hmm. Recruiting-wise, is a big question mark. He has absolutely hit the mark there. Very excited for Phil McGagan. Um, one thing his, his wide receivers are known for is blocking. So expect good mm-hmm. blocking on the outside. One thing I wanted to point out, if Arias and Montana Labonis Craig are your two actual That's starters huge. out there, those are big guys who are really long arms. So they will be blocking. Um, elsewhere, tight ends coach Clay Patterson comes in from Minnesota, deep Texas connections. He will coach the tight ends well. Don't need to talk too much there. Um, that's the offensive coaching staff. Um, I guess let's do a snake draft. So we're going defensive coaching staff. We're going to go backwards to the defensive side. <laughs> um, not a, a decent amount of change there. Nothing crazy. So uh, Demetrius Martin, cornerbacks coach, left to go coach Oregon. In retaliation, we signed cor- Oregon's old cornerbacks coach, Rod Chance, to come here. Um, so that is the change there. Chris Wilson moves to coaching pass rushers and outside linebackers. We needed a defensive line coach to do that. We originally hired Vic Suoto, which was an inspired hire. I love Vic Suoto. Um, and because we're CU fans, that means Vic Suoto left after a week. 
to go coach Cal, um, which is where he is now, which means we hired again. We hired a guy named Gerald Chapman, who has been a defensive line coach at Tulane and also was an analyst for LSU during the national title year. Um, he, he is a young guy. He is, you bring in your deep Southern defensive line coach energy. He is yelling a lot. Um, Wilson, still the defensive coordinator calling plays. He's coaching pass rushers only. If you recall, that was his role on the Philadelphia Eagles Super Bowl winning team. So he coached Fletcher Cox and Brandon Graham. Um, Mark Smith still at inside linebackers. Brent Maxey still at safeties. Let's get the personnel. Huge changes on the defensive okay. side of the ball. Not as rosy. Um, at, not as positive, I should say. So CU loses surefire first round pick, Christian Gonzalez. Um, before okay. he can really be a junior and show out, that's tough. He goes to Oregon to join Demetrius Martin. See you losing Nate Landman, um, all-time buff, now on the Atlanta Falcons, active roster. Good for Nate Landman. See you loses Carson Wells, was cut this week as well. Um, but, you know, one of the best pass rushers and the outside linebackers to come out of Colorado in quite some time. See you loses Mustafa Johnson, I think, again, back from the dead, now gone again. Um and as of last week, so you lose to Janaz Jordan. So, yeah. um, and Kyle Blackman, another cornerback. So plenty of deep and old experience rotating off this defense. Some and Mark Perry. And Mark Perry transferring safety. to CCU. Yes, right. Um, yes, we are losing a decent amount of veteran leadership there. Um, before we, I guess, yeah, let's, let's start on the defensive line where I think CU is strongest. Um, yes, I will say, uh, I think it's because of the defensive line I'm seeing this first. So I, I, I took in my positive attitude from there, but I'm a little bit more optimistic about the defensive side of the ball. Um, and I think that that will start with Terrence Lang, who's like in his sixth year at CU. Um, and like we, we know what he is. He, he's just, he's a really good run setter. Or what's that called? Edge setter? Edge setter. Edge setter. And his pass rushing is not always the best, but, I mean, like, he's just a good player. Naeem Rodman is just a very good, solid player. Um, and then Jalen Sami is a massive human being who just moves shit around. Yep. Like, that That front three is very nice. Um, I don't know much about Guy Thomas, the edge rusher, um, or Jamar Montgomery. Um, they're not going to be as good as Carson Wells, obviously, because like Carson Wells was a three-year starter and a tremendous, tremendous player. Mm-hmm. Um, who, yeah, he was the best. He's probably the best edge rusher of the last ten years, Carson Wells. Jimmy Gilbert um, for pure pass rushing ability, but from yeah, the edge, Carson Wells was a lot. Yeah, he's more versatile. Jim Levitt's um, final gift. <laughs> yeah, um, but that's really, I, I don't know too much about the depth. And I don't know much about the edge rushers, but it, it seems solid, if anything else. Um, I do know about the Jets, so I can tell you. Losing Jazz Jordan yes, hurts from the middle, but that defensive line is old and pretty solid. Um, Sammy, like you said, is an absolute monster. Lang is continuing to be older and gets bigger every year, so he's up near 300 now. Naeem Rodman is so completely competent. It's impressive. Like, yeah. you're never going to see him – you know, push the pocket and get crazy at all of her sacks. 
but he's just like exactly where you want the 300 pound guy in a defense to be at all times. And you're like, okay, well, good. You can, you can absolutely play around. Like he allows everyone else to make those plays. Great for him. Tyus Martin, retro freshman coming off of a back surgery, his senior year of high school is gigantic, gigantic. He's six, five, four, three, forty. Those are lower too. I would say. So yeah, he's huge. Um, Chance Main is a grad transfer from Incarnate Word. He is going to be a relentless pass rusher-ish. He's, he's a, another edge setter, super long arms. Devin Grant, I thought, so, showed some things as a freshman last year as well. And Justin Jackson, just a good piece to have, a rotational body piece. Um, and on the edge, I actually I think Carson Wells is easily the best. But I think this group is really interesting. Guy Thomas is a sixth-year senior. Um, he is a maniac, um, and he, if you recall, he he just wrecked the AM line before he got hurt last year in that game. Mm-hmm. He will yeah. be a menace if he can stay healthy. Jamar Montgomery is a little bit more solid, 250, um, but a pretty good guy to have in there. And then a the guy I really am excited for, this is another breakout player of mine, so if you're keeping track, I have Victor Venn so far. Another breakout player of mine is Alvin Williams. I love Alvin Williams coming out of Georgia. Long arms, relentless motor, um, and he can really bend. So I, I think Alvin Williams is going to get some sacks this year. I didn't realize how good Guy Thomas was, where I must have blanked it out. Um, against Texas Stadium, 12 tackles, three tackles for loss, two sacks. Yeah, man. Yeah. Also, he lists his, his only hobby that's listed. He enjoys working out in his free time. Hell yeah. First off, the Hell boss yeah. guy, Thomas. <laughs> Football guy. <laughs> Um, let's move to inside backer, which, like we said, took a massive hit with Landman moving, yep. um, a massive transfer in with Josh Chandler Semedo at a grad transfer. Um, I believe Almost the only that. 5'10 middle linebacker in the country, but he is absolutely yeah. proven production. He was the leading tackler for West Virginia for like eight straight years or something insane. Um, so he's gonna be a good piece. We also I have transfer, we also have team captain Quinn Perry. Um, still rotating in there, 6'2", 250, solid as a rock. Um, Rick Gamboa with some wheels is what I call him. Um, and then we have Robert Barnes, also a grad transfer from Oklahoma, came in last year. He's bulked up now. He looks – if you saw him at media days, he looks like a linebacker now, which is super fun. And he still has some giddy-up. So I, I think that rotation is actually pretty solid there. Okay. Um, okay, so I am worried that Quinn Perry, he's a team captain. If he's going to be starting, I'm a little bit worried because I just don't think he's that good. Um, Marvin Ham is pretty much unproven. Good athlete, good recruit, um, but again, unproven. And then Robert Barnes has had injury issues as well at Oklahoma in addition to being just maybe a little small at linebacker. Um, but you're confident. In I mean, he was always a tweener. He does not look like a tweener anymore. Yeah. Okay. Um, any thoughts on the linebacker crew? I ran through that pretty quick. Marvin Ham is also listed yeah. as a starter, but I don't see we'll see think I don't think we'll see him as often. <clears throat> okay, and why why is that? Scheme schematically, just yes, just schematically. So I, I I think we're transitioning to Chris Wilson. Always likes a four down front. The way this is set up, kind of looks like it's going to be a four down front. Um, okay. with end tackle tackle edge as the four at the top. Um. And what I think we're going to see a lot of, so, I mean, just, if you just, if you just count the defensive spots, we have starters, it's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, 10, 11, 12. You're only allowed 11 yeah. players, right? So one of these starter, oh, okay. starting yeah, sure. spots <laughs> is not going to be on the field all the time. 
Um, I think we're going to see more 4-2-5 than we will 4-3 with four defensive backs, right? Okay. If we see yeah, more sure. 4-2-5, we're going to, I think, default to our two best linebackers on the field at any point in time. I don't think one of those is going to be Marvin Ham. I think one of okay. those is probably going to be Marvin, uh, Robert Barnes. And then depending on um, what it looks like, it's going to be a mix between Josh and Lucimento, Quinn Perry. Um, yeah, I think we're going to see a rotation of those three more often in those two spots than we are going to see Marvin Ham. Okay. Okay. I can trust that. Um, I've got no other uh, thoughts. Like, do you think Chandler Tomato can just be just a veteran presence at the inside? Yes. Who can he's not like, he's not he will not be as disruptive in Nate Lehman, but he will absolutely no, I mean, yeah, clean up sure. plays. Two things I want to mention. Okay. The freshman yeah. crop of inside linebacker is really fun. Um, so Aubrey Smith being on the depth chart is very fun for me. He was a great guy out of Georgia, Victor Venn's teammate. Um, as is Ooh. Owen Carey. Owen Carey is a uh, – he was like an edge rusher. They've converted him inside, and he's now a backup there. Um, he's going to be fun to watch as well. That was it. All right. Um, okay, now the real position that took a lot of hits. Danger, uh, danger. Oh, God. Cornerback. Yeah. <laughs> oh, God. Um, so, so far we have three starters, left, right, and nickel. Um, it would be Nico Reed, who we saw a good amount of last year. He was pretty solid. Kalen Moore, who I don't really know much about. And then Tyron Taylor, who I had not heard of before, but apparently he was a contributor <laughs> on the defense last year. <laughs> yes, Tyron Taylor played last year. <laughs> um, yes, what, condescendingly, what do you think? Um, so so I I think I'd rather have Christian Gonzalez and Makai Blackman. Oh, yeah? Um, yeah, so... We can just call them up. Yeah, I think they'll come back. Um, it's... This is a really, really, really young group. Um, I think Tyron Taylor is the most experienced person I'm looking at here, which is terrifying. So you better hope they're good. Um, I think we... I mean, the sad thing is... I think they looked pretty exciting last year, you know, in an alternate reality where Makai Blackman and Christian Gonzalez are still here. I'm thinking, all right, this group has potential to be really good. Cause you got veteran experience. You got this young group that's really athletic. And now we just have the young group that's really athletic. Um, so I think CU will be burned a few times this year on the back end. Just expect that. Right. Um, in okay. terms of the actual players, I think Nico Reed has potential. They talked about him a lot. My personal favorite is Kalen Moore. I think Kalen Moore is an NFL-level athlete. I think I love his aggressiveness. Um, Tyron Taylor is really long and a little bit more of a blanket coverer. But, yeah, Kalen Moore is the guy who's going to, like, punch you off the line and, like, try to run with – like, he, he just has that mentality. I, I'm really excited to watch him. Okay. And then what would Nico Reed stylistically be for you, other than just solid? Because that's what he is to me. What is who Nico Reed? Yeah, he's just he, he has a lot of speed. Um, so he will be running with people. Um, he, I think uh, he's gonna go for balls, he's pretty good at ball skills as well. So he's not gonna be a, like one of the bad deck cornerbacks. I mean, these cornerbacks are just different than someone like Gonzalez was or um, the old days of like just super long and Keller Witherspoon, Delrick Abrams types. Nico Reed is gonna okay. be is gonna be smaller. He will absolutely have to play the ball more in the air, but he has the, he has the speed to keep up with anyone. Okay, that's nice. Um, do you think? Okay, so you're the highest on Kalen Moore. Is he who you think can 
like if we do this preview next time this year or next this time next year, he will be the one who will have transferred to Oregon. <laughs> I hope not. Um, I I don't think he's Christian Gonzalez level yet, at least. But I uh-huh. I hope not. I I really okay, like I really like him. Jokes aside, yeah, he could he could be a plus player when we look at this next year. Yeah, um, and just to scare you guys all more, I guess one person we haven't mentioned is Nigel Bethel, who does have more experience than the rest of them. He's also been yeah. nursing an injury, so he will play. He's technically third on the depth chart, but he will play. He'll be he will play nickel pretty frequently. Okay, is he good? Uh, he's fine. Okay. Yeah. Okay. That's fine. Um, all right. Now, speaking of fine, uh, Isaiah Lewis at free safety and then Trevor Woods at strong safety, who is everybody's favorite player to break out because he's just a football guy. I love Trevor Woods. I don't know if it's everyone's favorite player, but definitely mine. I love Trevor Woods. Um, yeah. Isaiah Lewis is your definition of power five starter at this point. Um, he's really worked his way into that role, which is really cool for him to see, but you know what to expect from him every time he's back there. Trevor Woods is exciting. That's he's taking over the Mark Perry role. Um, I think Trevor Woods will be better than Mark Perry this year. I think he's. I. I just. I think he's going to be one of the best players in the defense. I love Trevor Woods. Okay. Um. All right. So you're going to have to pick one breakout player on the defense, one breakout player on the offense, and then I have a trivia question for you that I forgot to ask during a certain position group. Okay. Um, breakout player on defense. And I'm, I'm going to make this hard for me and say it's – I can't say it's Trevor Woods. Okay, because that's my answer. So you can't take that. There you go. Um, I'll, I'll stick by my guns. I'll say it's Alvin Williams on the edge. Alvin Williams on the edge. Okay. Uh, and then Guy Thomas if he stays healthy. Um, offensively, uh, maybe this is kind of too easy of a pick, but I've been uh, – on the Montana Limonius Craig bandwagon since the okay. end of last year. Oh yeah. Uh, so you have to pick someone else. <laughs> I would say he already broke out, so I will not pick it. I will oh, not pick him. He already guys. broke out. How many? Do you want to look at the stats again? Yeah, yeah. I know he had like fifteen out. catches or something, but no, no. It's because I'm. It's because I look at this. Ten stuff catches, one hundred twenty-three yards. You're right. And two touchdowns. You're right. You're right. That's right. Not he already out. broke out. <laughs> no, you're right. That's not breaking out. Uh, I will I will say Caleb Fourier for my ten for my breakout pick. I think we're gonna see a lot of two tight end sets, and I think he's gonna get over. Okay, okay, uh, and that brings me perfectly to my trivia question. Um, I was looking earlier at the NFL players who have been in the NFL the longest. Um, so not counting quarterbacks and kickers, who is the longest NFL player? Like how many? He's been around since like two thousand six. Not counting kickers and quarterbacks. Not just buff? No, not, not a buff, kickers and quarterbacks? I'll give you a hint. Carl Durrell is a hint. Mercedes so Lewis. Again, it is Mercedes Lewis. Great Good job. Hint. Uh, and that, thanks for bringing it back to the tight ends because I have that ready. Uh, he made the the Packers final roster, which is fucking crazy to me. <laughs> Still hanging around, baby. Um, okay, so we need to get into the schedule. Yeah, let's end this on a sad note here. Um, and we kind of have to go quickly because you have a meeting that you're late for. Yes. So 
we don't have to go too quick, but we'll we'll talk yeah, through this. Fine. Um yeah. I've been thinking about the schedule a lot. I've been thinking about this team a lot. I guess this is gonna devolve into an overarching rant. Um yeah. I think this team will be better than last year's team. I think that's I think that's a fair note to say. We lose a lot of high-end talent, which is frustrating. Um I so I guess the way to put this is I don't think this team would have would be better than last year's team with a different coaching staff. But oh yeah, yeah. No, they didn't have a different coaching staff was... last year. Like Brendan Rice yeah. is a great player. Christian Gonzalez is a great player. They were not used to their full potential last year. So on its yeah, head, I think uh, we are doing that better this year. I think this I think we better. probably would have gone to a bowl game last year if we had better coaches. Yes, if the um, offense was in the 70s as opposed to the 110s, I think we go to a bowl game. We beat AM. So, yeah. 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 Yeah, we would have um, beat AM. That was brutal. So, I, I think this year's team is going to be better than last year's team. But I, I heard a few podcasts talk about um, this is going to be, a, I guess, a plug. But I was listening to Cover Three talk about Georgia Tech this year. Um, and Georgia Tech has another coach that's facing some scrutiny, um, like CU is with Carl Durrell. And Georgia Tech. Well, they should go back. To they the should option. go back to the option. Yeah. yeah. So, so Jeff Collins is in a rough spot, um, and he needs to win a decent amount this year to get to, to keep his job. And they and they said something that I haven't gotten out of my mind since, where they were talking about it, and they, they went through Georgia Tech's schedule, and they said, look, this is just a schedule that gets coaches fired. This is a schedule that is impossible to win in a, at a rate he needs to win at. Um, and when I look at CU's 2022 schedule, that's what I see. This is a schedule that – gets coaches potentially fired. Um, CU is one of two teams in the country that plays 11 Power 5 teams, the other one being West Virginia. And the one not Power 5 team that they play is goddamn Air Force, which is better than some of the Power 5 teams are going to play. So this is absolutely brutal in terms of scheduling. If you look even further past that, some of the winnable conference games, the most winnable conference games are on the road. Right. So we can we'll go through this one by one. But just in general, the winnable road conference games are going to be on a travel week. Um, The the hardest teams are coming to Boulder. And it's the end of the November stretch is disgusting. So I am looking at the schedule. And honestly, um, look, I guess Scott's on else put on the table. I put in a ticket for CU under three and a half. I don't think CU gets past three wins this year. So we, we can walk. I was going to say three wins is probably the upper limit of what I would bet on. So starting Friday night, TCU. CU is at home against TCU, a 14-point underdog as it stands currently. 14-point underdog at home. TCU, also a new head coach. They have an NFL first-round pick at wide receiver in Quentin Jackson. He will be a blast. Oh, yeah, he's a monster. Kendra Moore, a freak at running back. Mark Perry at safety. They're kind of retooling the whole defense, which was awful last year. <laughs> Um, but new team that to me, I'm expecting, a, I'm expecting a loss there. Okay. Uh, I'm going to say that I also think we're going to lose obviously, but, um, <laughs> I'm going to, I'm going to say that's one of my wins. Okay. At I'm, Air trying Force. To get to, I'm trying to get to four wins by the way. Okay. Going to be tough at Air Force. The next week, CU early lines is a 14 point underdog. Again, going to Air Force senior heavy team quarterback coming back. They are challenging for the Mountain West title here. Schedule over under from Air Force is nine and a half wins. I'm predicting another loss here for CU. Uh, it's not going to be very close. 
Okay, next week at Minnesota, we are traveling to a team that beat us 30 to nothing at home last year. We took the, their offensive coordinator, who they fired. So we're looking at Minnesota. Somehow they have Mo Ibrahim back, one of the running uh, college off football's top running backs, and Tanner Morgan back, one of college football's most experienced quarterbacks. They have a lot of offensive line talent returning. Kirk Soraka comes back to coach P.J. Fleck, and it is an older defense this year. That is an easy loss for me to put on the board. Okay. Okay, yeah, I see you 0-3 coming in on con. Uh, I also have them at 0-3, but my optimistic 1-2. All right. Finally, CU returns home. We have a UCLA at home on September 24th. I am actually predicting this as a win. This is one of my weird wins. Um, I just – and I this is going to be a mental block to me until he graduates. I just don't like DTR teams. I do not like teams that Dorian Thompson-Robinson quarterbacks. I don't Ooh. find him to be a scary quarterback to play against. So I'm thinking so, he has a bad game. Somehow CU shuts down Zach Charbonnet and CU pulls out a gross win here. Um, see, I'm a little concerned because I think that we're catching UCLA before their late season collapse. Um, <laughs> They're sleeping pick to win the, the, the South, by the way, whatever we're calling the South. Yeah. They're sleeping pick to get to 10 wins. People love UCLA this year. Uh, yeah, okay. I don't think they're, they're going to be good. Um, but, oh, also, we should do divisional picks. There are no um, divisions. Oh, shit, there are no divisions. <laughs> well, okay, Utah's my Pac-12 South. <laughs> and then <laughs> I'm going with Oregon in the North. Okay. Um, what am I saying? I think UCLA is going to beat us, and we can probably, move on. Probably smart. Okay, okay so at Ari- we start the October stretch that's going to be crucial for this season's hopes. At yep. Arizona, October 1st, on a Saturday. This Everyone is scheduling, uh, circling this as Arizona's most winnable conference game. They are a darling of the media right now. Jetfish has really riled up that base. I think this is a close game. I think CU probably, probably pulls this one out. Um, so right now, I guess I'm being weird and confident. I see you at 2-3 and three with a weird win against Arizona at Arizona. Okay, bad I, last year, man. Also think, yeah, Arizona's pretty dog shit. They're going to be better than us probably next year, maybe, because they're turning some things around. But I think we win this. So I'm at two and three. Okay, same. Uh, we have a bye week and then Cal, October 15th, coming to CU. Family weekend here. I'm predicting this as a loss. Uh, yeah, I watched the CU-Cal game last year, and that was some pretty – I don't. I don't see how we're we're gonna get any better. They have a new quarterback, to be fair, um, but they have more talent than they did last year. Um, and I actually have a, an overtaken on the Cal wins. I think that Justin Wilcox is gonna do some good things with them this year. Still a crazy good defense. All right, week after at Oregon State, October twenty second. That's a loss in my yeah. book. Jonathan um, Smith has a rolling over there. Chance Nolan, good quarterback. Yeah. Okay. Pretty easy, pretty easy loss. All right. Uh, and then this is my pick for the last CU win here. Arizona yeah, State homecoming. At this point, I'm assuming the Arizona State wheels have fallen off, but we will see. <laughs> I'm very down on them this year. Um, Herm Edwards is under investigation for those who don't know, and uh, he will be found guilty. So at any point in time, the NCAA could bring the hammer down on this season. Um I'm predicting this as the last one for CU for a team that has given up. Is there a chance Arizona State finishes below us in Arizona? 
No. Okay. Is that because the early season? Yes, I think Arizona State still has a decent talent, Bedrock. Okay. Um, uh, and October, and October come. Okay, I, I also think it's a win, so I think we're on the same page here. I think they're going to be a little bit so chaotic, and I think maybe CU will have figured some shit out by then. Um, maybe. 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 <laughs> maybe. maybe. Um, all right, next week at home, Oregon, military appreciation mm. night. That's a loss. Moving on. Maybe they could uh, bomb the field with those jets overhead. Next week, November 11th, <laughs> Friday night, short turnaround at USC in Los Angeles. Woo! If you give me a line less than or less than 30, I am taking USC in that game. Um, too bad this isn't at Folsom because then uh, Caleb Williams can set the record for most passing touchdowns. Most, yep. <laughs> this will be gross. All right, That's next the, week. Uh, my favorite USC tradition. Next week at Washington, uh, Saturday, November 19th. Uh, probably a loss. They will not throw four picks or whatever they did last year against CU. Um, new coach, I love their coach, Kevin DeBoer. So um, I'm predicting him. Okay. Um, and new quarterback. Hmm. Okay. So why, why are they going to be better at Washington? Uh, I think they upgraded a head coach first and foremost. I think they quit on Jimmy Lake last year. Caitlin DeBoer is a better head coach than Jimmy Lake. Defense will take a step back. Offense will take a bigger step forward under DeBoer. He did wonders for Indiana. Um, Michael Penix is their starter, which isn't great, but it's better than what they had. Michael Penix is there? Yeah. Okay, then I'm I'm pro-Washington. I like that guy. Uh, last time Michael Penix was good was under Caitlin DeBoer as the Indian offensive coordinator. So, yeah, okay. they, have, they, they make magic. Last week, uh, senior day against Utah at home. Oh, man, that's going to be a beating. That's an L. Um, when, uh, when the Pac-12 figures it shut shit out uh, with UCLA and USC, can they switch around the schedules so we don't have to finish with Utah every season? That would be just lovely. Uh, well, in the if if we go back to the Big Twelve, it'll be interesting what that rivalry week looks like. Well, it'd probably be with Utah. Um, probably. So at the end of the year, with a crazy moonshot win against UCLA, I still only ended up at three and nine. Um, with um, hold on, with I'm predicting. Three 20 plus point blowouts in November. Okay. <clears throat> All right. So let me go back. So I did, I gave a generous win to TCU. Um, a, a, a sort of 50 50 win over Arizona. And then probably a 50 50 win over Arizona State at home. Those are the ones I gave wins. Mm-hmm. So that's three and nine. And then probably one, two, three. Four, five, six, seven comfortable losses. Yep. Where it's like, I don't really see how we have a good chance here. Um, best case scenario. Absolute best case scenario. Five and seven with some freaky stuff going on. Like yeah. levels yeah. of the rise, everything comes together. Five and seven. I... um. I can get myself higher than that. So 
in my most optimistic and giving this like a 5% chance of happening, Mike Sanford somehow gets this offense to mid 60s production wise, as opposed to like 110th that was last year. Like CU's consistently putting at least four scoring drives together. Brendan Lewis and or JT Shroud is just a revelation at quarterback with the new offensive line. I could see CU taking one game, maybe two games in the non-con, and then sweeping October to get to six and six. That October is okay. huge. That that's all your winnable okay, games, so I think, in a row. Arizona, Cal, Oregon State, Arizona State. That's doable. That's a pretty soft stretch. Yeah. If, if CU's offense is somehow to the point where it's scary and like ball controlly, um, and it, it like actually scary can move the ball. And ball control. It. Yeah, like like we don't, we're not just killing the defense like we did last year, right? And the defense yeah. stays okay enough where like the, the defensive backs aren't just completely hung out to dry. I, I can see a world where they beat TCU out of nowhere the first week, put, hang tough against Air Force, get killed at Minnesota, play UCLA tough, win sweep October, beat Arizona, heal up the bye week, beat Cal, pull off a win against Oregon State, and then Arizona State has the wheels fall off. And then you feel pretty good about next year, but I don't think that's that likely. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. Okay. Um, okay. I'm still, I'm still going five and seven because even your optimistic thing had us beating air force, which I don't think that that's going to happen. Um, what's the worst of, well, we don't have to talk about worst case. Worst okay, case so is legit gonna... 0 and 12. There, there is a, an yeah. absolute chance that this team goes 0 and 12. Pretty, yeah. I would say, at the same chance at uh, of going six and six, maybe a little bit higher. There's no easy uh, yeah. outs. There are no easy outs on the schedule, man. We are less talented than 11 teams that we're playing. That's not. That makes it hard. <laughs> oh boy. Yeah, that's a pretty brutal way to say that. Okay. Um. <laughs> <laughs> um. Okay, maybe some Pac-12, <laughs> Pac-12 content. Yeah, well, so in general, like I said, I'm I'm betting on I I got a uh, I got a, a ticket for TCU minus seven and a half, but I'm also going to bet on CU plus fourteen if that's what that line ends on. Um, okay. Yeah, I think in general, um, I guess we don't want to do the rest of the first week betting stuff. That's not that fun. I'm 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 high in the Pac-12. I'm high on Cal. I think Cal's going to surprise. Um, I am low-ish on Oregon. I don't think they get to 10 wins, but I do think they beat the crap out of us. Um, I'm high on Washington, and uh, I'm intrigued by Washington State under new coach Jake Dicker. Mm. Okay, so who's your pick Pac-12 title game? Pac-12 title game, I'm betting it's going to be USC and Utah. Okay, that's what I was going to go for if- if not Oregon. But who's Oregon starting quarter? Oh, it's Bo Nix. Yeah. <laughs> oh, we might we might we might have a chance against them. He might he might throw us into that game. Bo Nix five interception game. Yeah. CU wins twenty-eight to fourteen. And now and now you're getting why I'm not that high on Oregon. Um, Defense will who be else nasty. do they have? Who else do they have on their they have, they have really fun running backs. They have a better receiving core than they've had in the last, like, five years. Um, they have a first-round pick in Christian Gonzalez at cornerback, surrounded by other crazy athletes, um, and a really good offensive line. So they, they're built up front to uh, to put themselves in most games, but Bo Nix will throw them out of something. 
I accidentally just saw Christian Gonzalez's picture on the roster. Damn it. Okay. I need to get that out of my head. You do. I um, know. I need to get out of my head. Utah is um, a sneaky playoff pick. I don't think I'll do that, but I do think they're very good. Yeah, I think Utah's a clear favorite for me. Who is your playoff picks then? Um, so Ohio State and Alabama are the two easy ones. I think one of those two is winning the title. Everything else is secondary. Uh, I, think, I think past that, you have an out, I think Clemson has an outside shot. I think Michigan has an outside shot. Clemson's schedule is just so buttery easy. If Uyanga Lele can be an average to above average quarterback, they're going to they're gonna sweep. Um, and then Georgia, obviously, is the other pick I have. Okay. Um, let me see. I did not prepare this before I asked the question. You don't have to. Okay. I, I find playoff discourse, especially before the season, extremely boring. Okay. Uh, well, I just want the picks to be on the record. Oh, USC has very good odds for no reason. Well, so I've actually done a 180 on USC. I thought they were overrated, and now everyone thinks that, so I've swung back to underrated. I think somehow the Oklahoma media, and listen to this, please, John Woods, not going to like this, but the Oklahoma media has turned this into like, like Riley was just inheriting the program. He didn't do anything for Oklahoma. It's like, no, I'm pretty sure he's still like the best offensive coach in the country. And he happens to have a five-star quarterback in Caleb Williams that's the best USC quarterback in a long time. Also a stable of five-star receivers. Also incredible offensive line that's coming back from last year. Like, he's going to put extreme amounts of points on the board. Lest we forget also that Pac-12 defenses aren't as good as the ones that Oklahoma was facing in the Big 12 last year. He has a mm-hmm. soft schedule, an amazing offensive talent, stable of talent, and uh, I don't know, everything around L.A. on his side because he's not Clay Helton. I am pretty ha- I'm pretty bullish on him. Mm-hmm. Okay okay so give me Alabama they're my they're my champ. Give me Ohio State because they're the obvious pick. Give me Notre Dame because I think that'd be funny. And who else is on their schedule? Is it an easy schedule? Oh shit never mind. Oh it starts with Ohio State. Damn that damn I'm gonna watch that game. Oh no they're gonna lose to BYU. Okay. USC? Notre Dame. No, Notre Dame. Oh, okay. Okay, so not Notre Dame. Okay, taking that off. I'm putting Utah on because I think it'd be funny. Okay. And then I have to pick one last team. I don't want to pick Georgia because I think that's too easy of a pick. (sighs) Give me Oklahoma State. I think that would be good content. Let's see. Who even is on that team? I want I want something weird to happen. Uh, Oklahoma State has Spencer Sanders back again. They lost their defensive coordinator to Ohio State, so their defense from last year will be taking a huge step back. Okay. Is that um, it? Yes. That's it. I like that. I like the balls on that pick. Okay, I'm I'm going with that. That that's my pick. They they've actually a pretty easy schedule. Well, at Baylor, at Oklahoma. So, I mean, that's that's not very easy, but still. All right. Well, there's your preview. I'm done. Oh, wait. No, Heisman. Oh, who cares? CJ Stroud. What? Okay. Hang on. That That's boring. Yeah. Heisman's a boring, dude. Heisman's are not boring. Joe Burrow was amazing to follow. 
That's because it, it's not because of the Heisman race. It's because he's really good. Okay, fair. Uh, I will think about my Heisman, and then I will write a preseason Heisman article or something like that. You do that, man. Heisman. Okay. Uh, wait, give me a second. Will Anderson, by the way, is so fucking good. Oh, my God. Like I said. Yeah. I just I can't even wins. believe how good he is. Um. Oh, imagine if Anthony Richardson just took a Heisman return. That'd be crazy. That I that will not happen. But yeah. Okay, Jameer Gibbs Heisman. Here's here's my fun one. Crazy ten win Louisville Malik Cunningham Heisman. Okay, that's nice. That's very nice. No, Bo Nix Heisman Oregon to the playoffs. All right, there it is. <laughs> Chaos. Okay. All right, see you, Jack. See ya.